Hello and welcome to the Volunteer Firefighter Podcast, where we listen into a group of rural firefighters as they give their opinions on the challenges they face both on and off the fireground. We release a new episode every week, so please hit that subscribe button, leave us a rating, and share this with your fire family and friends. Now on to this week's episode, where as always, we ask the question, are you DTFF? Hello and welcome to the Volunteer Firefighter Podcast. My name is Carl and tonight I am joined by three members of my firefighting family. I have Ash. Hey guys. I have Scott. Oh hey. And I have Todd. Hello. And uh, yeah, tonight we're going to get into a little bit of uh, conversation about some training scenarios that we recently ran, uh, as well as a recent fire. And uh, yeah, some other bits and pieces about volunteerism and... uh, Paid on call and the difference between them, I guess, but or the lack of there thereof. So, <clears throat> first, before we get into that, uh, Toddler, you got some news for us? Uh, yeah, so reading an article uh, February the 7th, uh, there is an EMS provider in Virginia. They're just recently found guilty for manslaughter after uh, the vehicle or the driver of their ambulance was involved in a crash. And it sounds like they're running with uh, just lights on, uh, went through uh, red light and we're in a motor vehicle accident and somebody passed away from that incident. So our, our thoughts are with all members and all parties involved in that. It's a pretty horrific event, but also it's a good reminder that, uh, you know, for our area anyways, you know, we've got pretty strict guidelines. We have to run lights and sirens. That's our policies in our province. And uh, we actually have to come to a complete stop and then proceed safely through the <coughs> Uh, whether it's a stop sign or, or a traffic light. Um, it does sound like these policies vary in lots of other provinces and areas of North America, but mm. I think just a strict reminder of making sure you're savvy enough and remember your policies when, you're, when you are doing that because we all get into that heat of the moment. We want to get there and help, but if we don't make it there, there's problems. Yeah, I think uh, I know in our whole a couple of times about the conversations of just, you know, make sure that we're getting there safely. Um, because we don't want to cause a worse situation on the way there. We Absolutely. don't want to get any of us hurt. We don't want to get anyone else hurt. Um, but we want to obviously, yeah, we're all pumped up, adrenaline rushed, trying to get to the call to try and help out. We just want to make sure we do it safely. So, yeah, pay attention to your rules. Yeah, I think one of the discussions we have sometimes is, is here at, like, you know, 3 in the morning. We're in a rural setting, sort of. And uh, there are guys who are like, well... Do we need to turn our siren on because we're waking people up? So, well, we should turn our siren off. We have our lights on. We're not sneaking up on the fire. We're not, you know, and it, it's, I think it's helpful for people to hear the sirens coming because then they know someone's coming. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. I, on that note, I read an article. There was something, uh, somebody wrote into a paper in Vancouver talking about, uh, they're complaining about the sirens in Vancouver all the time and complaining about <laughs> the fire trucks and police cars and ambulance driving with their sirens at two, three, four, five in the morning through the city. And it just goes to show you that general public, they don't understand the whole reality. Like we can't just run with our lights on because if that other person doesn't hear that audible alarm coming, you know, and if there is an incident, now you're, you're liable again, being that driver of that emergency vehicle. So we have to have our lights and signs running or you shut them all off down, all down and you just do, just do the speed limit. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a lot of conversations about that, you know, 
read your traffic volume. Sometimes code three doesn't necessarily make it get there faster. It's there to move yeah. the traffic out of the way and mm-hmm. or ask for that privilege to go through that light. Yeah. Um, but lots of times we don't actually need it on right. many events. Yeah. On that, <clears throat> we'll talk about this call a bit later, but we had a uh, fire at our local prison and uh, I was lucky enough, if you will, to be the driver of the second responding truck because we didn't have any drivers. So I'm like, ah, sure, I can get us there. And it was a pretty snowy night. It was two in the morning and I went, no lights, no sirens. And if something came up where we wanted to overtake someone, sure, flick them on, make the pass, make it safe. But there was already two responding units, the uh, duty officer and then uh, the first truck rolled out. So we made the call, myself and the dep- uh, the uh, deputy chief, and we just drove out. You could call it routine. It was a snowy night, and we barely made it up to highway speed just because of the traffic yeah, or the yeah, uh, weather conditions, right? So yeah, it's pretty bad. Yeah, make that <coughs> make that choice. Our policies now, like we have a lot of ownership back on us. Like even if we're dispatched as a co- for a code three call, um, we have the power and discretion to. Uh, shut everything down if we choose so mm-hmm. um, depending on the road conditions uh, back in the day they used to tell us no you're responding code three and if you were caught not going code three you get reamed out about it right mm-hmm. and then they finally had a different mindset and they looked into things so. mm-hmm. yeah get there safe exactly. as opposed to yeah. don't get it at all or cause a worse situation on your way there couldn't agree more hey, hey. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> i gotta be mindful right now yeah <laughs> I was uh, keeping that one. I'm like, I'm bringing it up. Say, I know it's I was, was going to drop it, actually, but it's too late. Uh, um, we should probably tell them people what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, if they didn't realize that. I, I, I may have said that uh, I couldn't agree more uh, more than once mm-hmm. when I, we had a conversation with James Gearing. I mean, 30, 40 times. Oh, it, was, yeah. it, was, it, it was like four. In, no. In a plus. minute. <laughs> it was not plus. plus. It was a lot. It was a lot. Mm. A lot more than I normally do anyway. But yes. Mm. Yeah. I said it quite if you bit. said only four, I couldn't agree less. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> um, so let's start with, uh, let's actually, we'll start with a prison fire. We'll start there right. and then we'll roll over into the training scenario that we ended up having too. So um, Scott, were you there? You were there on yeah. first? Yeah. So <clears throat> we have a, as you just heard, we have a prison near us in our fire district. It's a fairly new prison, so it's still a work in progress on uh, fire response. It's really only what, our second, second or third, third. Yeah, actual third. fire there. Mm-hmm. Um, so we are, we have procedures laid out, but we're, it's hard to train there often <laughs> because mm-hmm. you can't just go in there. Although we are soon just being able to go in there and train a little bit. So that's going to be helpful. And it's essentially like um, a prison is basically like an apartment building. Except you you can't go out very easily get more resources. <laughs> so what you bring to the fight is what you bring to the fight. Because if you need more stuff, all of a sudden you're gonna have to uh, you have to get multiple people to open multiple doors to get you get you back out there to get more stuff. So um, it's yeah, essentially we're treating it as a because this this particular fire was in a, was in one of the cells. So um, cell the guards close the door, which is great because now it's uh, ventilation limited, really really limited. Like it basically put the fire right out mm-hmm. um so by the time we got there we were just able to crack the door we still ran the uh, standpipe 
and did the whole procedure. Um, we probably could have did it with a, with a can, but we just wanted to double, like, was, we're not sure what's behind that door, just like any other fire. Mm-hmm. Once we, once we breach that door, get some oxygen into that fire, it's, we don't know what's going to happen. So we, we, you know, we, we set it up just like a regular structured fire. Uh, yeah, and we popped the door. It was, I mean, everybody's already out. All the inmates are out. They're all in a different unit. Super safe for us on that, on that side of the fence. And then, uh, yeah, we just pushed in, um, hit it a little bit with some water. Pulled the stuff out and uh, got out of the building. Like for our overhaul, basically we have to take everything out, put it in like a um, what is it, a laundry basket, like a yeah. big laundry bin on wheels. Mm-hmm. Put everything in there, took it outside. So any rekindle would happen if it happened, it would be outside. So what? Because uh, <clears throat> I know that um, we had a we had a couple of leaky ho- hoses which we yeah. dealt with, but other than that, did everything go fairly smoothly? I think it went pretty well since that was only like a second or third. Um, it went pretty well for not being able to train it regularly. Mm-hmm. So we treated it as close to an apartment fire as possible. And again, that's something we don't get very often here. So um, we don't get to train that that often either. But everybody just did, you know, we got the standpipe. Uh, a couple guys went up to the top of the door. We we popped the door just, just enough to get it. So, because uh, you know, obviously the guards have the keys, so they have to give us a key. We pop the door, and then I actually stood the door with my foot wedged and had it just enough so it was on the pin, wasn't allowing any um, air to go in. And uh, once the hose line was ready, we you know, checked the door for heat and uh, pushed it in. It was good. We actually used, uh, <clears throat> we actually did the drop in the deuce uh, technique where we actually, sorry, we, I guess we raised the deuce because we, mm-hmm. the two and a half was at the base because it was on the second tier. Two and a half was at the base. Um, we threw a rescue a rescue strap over and tied it off and pulled the two and a half up with the gated Y on it, and then hooked up a Cleveland roll, just one line. We yeah. had another line. I mean, I think the other line was still in the truck, but we knew by that point how serious it was. Because when the second truck arrived, like Ash's truck arrived, we could have asked for more resources, but we were okay. Mm-hmm. We just needed some manpower to come in. So how did you see it from your side, <laughs> Ash? Because obviously, like I said, you 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 went there a little bit slower initially, and then once you got there. You advance the manpower up, so I had to go. Yeah, so I mean, for us, it was it was a good learning point because we we again learned that there's many doors, many hallways, and it's a security checkpoint every step of the way. Place is a maze. Yeah, it is right, and you're a long ways away uh, when you park in the uh, Sally Port there, yeah. <laughs> right? Um, which I think we should make that our our basically staking point for almost anything there. It's a secure area unless you can get direct access to one of the farther wings. Yep. Um, but it's a great, great place to get all of our resources pooled together. Um, and then once we got into the the block, uh, you guys were just getting ready to open the door. So, yep. um, yeah, everything went really well. We advanced a little bit extra man, manpower. We did have to go back out for a tarp just to help uh, uh, contain some of the the burnt up um, items from inside of the block. But yeah, I, I don't think we could have done better given the exposure to training there. Yeah. Um, I mean, everything's non-combustible, excluding their personal effects, really, right. um, and like some of the bedding. But everything's um, other fire... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, fire-resistant. Right. So yes, it can burn. Like the their bedding can burn, but it's resistant. Um, so we're never. I'm trying to imagine where we would have a 
like a, a large event there. Um, yeah, I, we, I don't think it's ever going to be like inside the cell blocks. It's yeah. never going to be fully involved. Um, maybe because they have workshops there, would work. Um, the shops, the kitchens, workshops, the... maybe the offices. Mm-hmm. That's the only place where probably ever like if something was to happen, it, it would essentially be like a regular fire then. Mm-hmm. Um, but inside those cells, we're basically just limiting uh, the amount of damage done so they can get that unit up and running again. Yeah, I guess that's our main. Yeah, I mean that's our main focus. Because it, it does need to be up and running you yeah. know, within a few days. It can't just sit there. Like it's not like you're gonna you know, spend months to do uh, a full reno. Yeah, you know, a full reno of the place. It has to basically mm-hmm. you know clean it out, slap coat of paint on it, back in you go. Yeah. <laughs> so, I'd say outside of that one <coughs> that one cell, that place was operational oh, yeah. Yeah. that very same day. Yeah. So yeah. the wonders of concrete and metal. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, get them some new food, and they're they ready to go. But uh... it's it just it's unique for us, and uh, I'm sure there's not. I mean, there's lots of obviously prisons in the world, mm-hmm. but um, it's definitely not a regular type fire that a lot of departments yeah. are going to run into. You know, in our province, there's maybe I think there's nine prisons. Mm-hmm. Give that, yeah, eight or nine prisons, mm-hmm. and you know, we're one of the bigger ones, but um, so pretty much. There's a lot of there's a lot of um, big facilities like a prison where people have to go into mm-hmm. firefighting. So, yeah, I think like Scott was saying, so it's weird. Either what we train or what we plan to train or what we have just trained generally is the call that we're about <laughs> yeah. to get. Uh, we've done it with structure fires. We've had MVI, um, uh, and then we had just discussed we want to go out and set up. A couple training nights there because we don't get access often. We had just discussed, like literally like, the night before, the night prior, like seven hours earlier. We talked about <laughs> yeah needing to do some training at the prison. So then we get the call up there. So I don't know who's listening, but <laughs> some weird things are happening. Open the right door. But yeah, so it was it was really good to then go in there, not blind because we've all had a tour. And we 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 do we we have trained some and we adapt some other training. Yep. Um, and then to a prison fire. But uh, now we're going to roll out some more training nights to to really hone what our response looks like. I think in a prison cell, you're going to get the same result, but we, we, we can then sort of streamline our response, right. you know, know what to bring exactly, <clears throat> uh, know how and where, where to stage. We can just make it smoother. I, I don't think the outcome could have been any better. And, and I... I think we're one of the only if not there might be two departments in the entire um province that are volunteer that deal with the prison because mm-hmm. all the other prisons are in major centers where they're full-time uh, paid departments dealing with them so and they're gonna just in general they're gonna have more because they're a bigger unit area they're gonna have more exposure to apartment fires and you know mm-hmm. dealing with standpipes and all that sort of stuff so um with us it's, we don't get a lot of stand we standpipe use because we don't have a lot of apartment, big apartment buildings or big high rises where we're hooking up to a stamp pipe every day. So yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, I think it reinforces, you know, across the board for a lot of other departments that may not have prisons around, like just working on and knowing your pre-plan for yeah. your your local apartment mm-hmm. buildings. It's going to be very similar on your access and and um, exit points to how many fire doors, you know, where those fire breaks are, you know, how much manpower you're going to need, and and the same thought process, right, mm-hmm. for yeah. the prison, except you guys need. Escorts all the, all the way through yeah. all, all the doors, right? Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a different animal. Oh. 
<clears throat> with the same mindset, yeah. Okay. It got me thinking of our new hotel. I mean, that's a modular drop-in. Right. Lego house. Yeah, it's going to be a, a larger version of what we just had there, but with a lot of containment, yeah. with all the fire breaks and stuff, more combustible materials, but our training will be very like that. Yeah, it'll be very similar. Very, very similar. Yeah. 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 Case of thinking. So that that one went fairly well down at least, then it obviously opened up some doors for some training opportunities, which is good. Mm -hmm. I think it made that conversation easier. Yeah. So I called the talk to the warden and that's where we're going now in a couple of weeks mm -hmm. we're going to go train there beautiful <laughs> beautiful we're all going back to prison yeah. I mean to prison <laughs> so uh, let's crack on with the scenario conversation so uh, last Thursday practice was uh, scenario night uh, two of the captains put on double scenarios uh, it started off as one rolled out and then turned into two splitting mm -hmm. some resources which was always uh, which is always interesting and fun and challenging at the same time. Um, so yeah, let's start with uh, let's start with Ash, and let's talk a little bit about us uh, on the initial there. Yeah. So, like we mentioned before, uh, with our training, we try to rotate through uh, where um, we're not always like all all of the training crew isn't um, part of each scenario. So, like Scott and I had no idea what we were getting into. It was we were sitting in a truck and waiting for the call to, to uh, come in and two of the other uh, captains put on this scenario and we were parked on Main Street kind of waiting we we got told to go out and drive around we're driving around like uh, I mean let's just make ourselves semi-central to town we'll see what happens oh and that's what happened <laughs> we were driving around there first. <laughs> our truck was driving around <laughs> we, we drove all the way up by uh the high school yeah. we drove all the way north you have to justify that <laughs> just saying, we uh drove and we decided hey we're we're uh wasting enough of taxpayers fuel here so, uh, <laughs> oh, there's the <laughs> so we thought let's uh put ourselves in a position for a, a speedy response to whatever this may uh, be here and so the call comes over the radio that we have a um a collapsed worker uh in a uh access pipe at the town workyard uh so it was a confined space call so we drove drove down to uh the workyards and got ourselves staged and went up and had a, a quick look at the scene and sure enough there was two people one unresponsive and one with a broken leg that was down a access pipe to I'm not sure what all goes on down there, but uh, yeah, it was, I think there might be sewage down there. <laughs> there is sewage down there, yes. Gases and stuff. Yeah, so I mean, it's it's uh, a potential real call that we that we oh, could yeah. get uh, many places within our our town. So um, yeah, we got on scene, and the the one good thing that we uh, discussed earlier tonight, prior to the podcast here, is. Um, the town puts on confined space for their workers every year and we we get invited to it i've never i've never been able to leave work to go and get it scott i think okay, you're I the once. same you have once years yeah. ago yeah. um so we're, we're on scene and i'm like i have no idea what happens on the rescue side but i understand some of the resources that we'll need so who's taking this most recently 
And we had a bunch of guys put their hands up. I'm like, okay, you're going to be the guys doing the work. Just basically let me know what you need, and we can facilitate that for you. So I think that's kind of right about the same time that you guys came up. Yeah, I think I asked the same question. Yeah. <laughs> we may have read the same book at one point. And ultimately there, you know, there's there's that there's the, the drop of the ego and that humble point of, hey, I need your help. Mm-hmm. I'm, we're in a situation. I am not, ex- I've not been exposed to this as yeah. much. How have you guys had the training? Okay, mm-hmm. great. Fantastic. You guys are going to be my eyes, my hands, my ears, and I'm going to give you everything that you need to solve the problem. Yeah. It's a great way to deal with it. And the best way that you could have dealt with it. There is no other way. Apart from being an egotistical person and trying to take mm-hmm. over and run it the way that you think it should go and then potentially not leaning on the people that could have solved the problem mm-hmm. before. Yeah. Anyway. We have a lot of those specialty sort of calls and teams here. Um, it's going to be our confined space, our uh, swift water rescue, uh, things like that. Um, I mean, we've been lucky to get some hands-on swift water, even if we're not swimmers, um, where now the officer corps has more knowledge than maybe some of us would have before. But again, we're going to be heavily reliant on the people that are trained to do the task. We can just be the resource that helps get them what they need. And that's kind of what I was relying on. I was like, you know what? I am just your guys' voice. What you need, I will fetch for you. Um, and that's how we ran them. So we got a couple guys down the hole right away uh, on SCBA, um, went and made patient contact, got a game plan together, um, learned a bunch myself um, on the rescue side of it, uh, which was really good. But yeah, that was kind of the first bit of it was to get that <coughs> process started. Um, there were some malfunctions with the rescue gear that the town provides, uh, which got another thought process started. So. Yeah, <clears throat> so we ended up having everybody around waiting around the hole. Obviously, we're, we're, we've got the guys down in the hole communicating back up. One of the town workers, also one of our guys, was on the rescue line um, with the, the kind of automatic line there that they have there for dropping people in and out. That actually failed, so we ended up having to replace that on the fly there too. During that process, then we ended up hooking up a second set of uh, rescue lines and equipment mm-hmm. before actually putting the patient out. But while all that was going on, they threw something into the mix, and that was when Scott ended up getting pulled away in a different direction. What happened there? Yeah, so the second call came in. Like I said, a good splitting resources because you know we are we are pretty resource heavy for the confined space call. Mm-hmm. In some ways, I mean, if something was to happen, then we probably wouldn't be. Would have pulled more. Yeah, you know, we would have had to use a lot of more, lot of more lot more people. Um, <clears throat> so we took one truck. Um, the call was a power pole on top of a farm shed which was important <laughs> so we went up to and the, and when we heard where the address was we knew it was at our training ground so we went up there and uh we pulled up as we're tra- as we're driving there we were discussing uh, and actually one of the guys from the back he's like hey remember to you know and it's it's good because you know our guys remind the officers of these things so you just they don't just assume the officers are going to make the call mm-hmm. so it reminded me hey make sure you get the uh get fortis which is our electrical provider um on site so I, I contacted dispatch, which is just our local base here. And uh, they said, yeah, Fortis is on its way. We got there. There was a chief pretending to be a, one of the people that own the farm, I guess, or a bystander. Um, so I could see that the shed was collapsed on top of, uh, I could see one patient pinned under the shed. And I could see another patient laying about 15 feet away from the shed. I see the power poles down on the ground. I could see the, the lines. So first thing I ask, I'm like, the lines deactivated 
Yeah, eyes are deactivated. Okay, cool. So we started our approach, and they threw another little wrench in the process, which was uh, which is a hazmat call. So as I got closer, I, I kind of fell over <laughs> because it wasn't the power that knocked the first guy down. It was actually um, a hazardous environment situation. And they had stuck a, it wasn't a, it wasn't a real placard on the wall, on the door. It was like kind of a homemade placard, but farm shed, I'll give it to them. <laughs> Sometimes they have, like people have <laughs> stuff just like spray painted on a wall, like hazard. <laughs> so yeah, I fell over and I was laying there and the guys had to put their SCBA on and extract me from the area. Uh, once I got extracted from the area, I miraculously came back to life <laughs> because all the other guys were tied up. Even though the mayday call was made, um, you know, one of our guys who obviously wasn't the officer, he was, you know, just another guy, Adam, he, he made the mayday call, which got these guys, I think, thinking like, oh, we got to we gotta split our resources again. Mm-hmm. Um, but the chief was like, well, you know what, I'll uh, I'll let the, you, t- you come back to life. So I came back and then we came up with a plan to get the now the shed and this telephone pole was collapsed all on, on top of the patient. So we were like, Ew. so that was a stabilization kind of thing. So we actually have a kind of a crane truck at our fire hall for moving vehicles and stuff for the training ground. So we actually sent for that. That came and actually managed to move the, move the power pole while it was coming though. We, we stabilized the entire uh, kind of mash of walls and this, the person running the scenario said, Hey, yeah, you can't, you guys can't just lift the telephone pole and you can't just lift the walls. It's too heavy, which is actually a valid point because we, we were discussing this. We actually had a very similar incident occur a number of years ago. Um, these people were building prefab cement walls and one of them fell over on somebody and, and crushed the guy and he, and he didn't make it, but we had to basically do almost the same thing we did. Yeah. Um, so we ended up putting, uh, once we got the telephone pole off, we put in uh, some uh, lift bags, some airbags, and uh, slowly lifted it, lifted the, after we stabilized, we slowly lifted everything up, pulled the patient up. So yeah, overall it was, you know, a lot of, a lot of working parts, a lot of stuff going on. It's good. And it wasn't just fires. Usually, like a lot of times we do our scenarios, it's going to be a fire related thing. Mm. Yeah, different. That, uh, that split in, in resources was was definitely a, a tough tough call there because it takes people away. Again, we've yeah. all discussed the fact that when you're on a rescue, it takes a lot of people to rescue one people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's not even words. <laughs> Could it agree takes, more. <laughs> <laughs> it takes a lot of people to rescue one person. Yeah. Yes. Um, and it is an all-hands-on-deck thing at that point. So again, when the Mayday came in, they ended up peeling more resources away from the team that was also doing a rescue mm-hmm. for two other people. Yeah. Uh, so it was, it was again, it was a little bit more of a, oh crap, what do we do? This, this is a situation where now we've got, you know, we've got two patients down mm-hmm. in this situation in the uh, in the confined space, one of which we had already out of the hole at that point. Yeah. And then obviously we've now got firefighter down uh, and other situations going on in this other area. So now we've got one truck, well, in the middle almost because you've got three. Um, and that was the vehicle then that we ended up sending back over to mm-hmm. that spot to deal with that situation. But again, probably could have used those hands in reality more so at the confined space initially there. But yeah, that was a tough call. Um, when the first call came came in, um, Scott, Rob, and myself had a ten second quick hey, who's staying? Who's going? Um, 
what's what's the scoop here? We we made a quick decision. Uh, you guys were leaving, yeah. so that was good. It sucked too because we had just got everybody deployed, so mm-hmm. and we had just mixed all of our units together because yeah. you know we didn't need my whole truck didn't need to be on writ. So I'm like, oh yeah, I'm giving some to Ash, some to Rob, and <laughs> next thing this comes in, I'm like, crap. So then I just start grabbing people. I'm like, okay, you guys were on my truck, but you come with me. We had to leave. Uh, Carrie actually stayed behind because she um, she's was the, the medical person, so we left her behind. She was a higher tra- I was trained medical person there, so we left yeah. her because we didn't know anyone was trapped up on top. We just heard it was a power pull down, so we knew that there's two people down in the hole, yeah. so they they need the medic mm-hmm. first thing. So then we went up, and I'm also medical trained, so we went up and did our did our deal. Yeah, and that second mayday call com- comes in, and uh, Steve was. Uh, one of the guys doing the scenario down for the confined space, um, and he's got um, a lot of experience on it. And he he said kind of halfway through, you only really need four people to do the rescue of it, but that's if everything goes right. So it's a minimum four person job. But I have a hard time releasing people that like you can be ready to go. Get, get yourself prepared, but until the job's done, now what if one of our guys drops? Now, it's it's so tough. Like, there was a mayday call, but it's a whole different scenario. It's a different scene. To peel people away from one scene to go help somewhere else, I was reluctant to just say, go, as much as yeah. we want to go save our brothers. Because what if there's a mayday call in the hole now? <laughs> yeah. So now, <laughs> yeah. I got nobody, right? So, um... I made a suggestion to phone in for mutual aid. Right, yeah. Because um, we, I was like, at this point, I'd recommend to call him for mutual aid, um, and I will release manpower the moment that we have the patient out, which you, you, I think at that point, were... Miraculously back to life. Miraculously alive again. <laughs> <laughs> Just because of the size of... I took my Nicholas Cage and it out in my chest. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm all right. <laughs> so, but we were then discussing, all right, I want Carrie to stay here until the end because you're my my uh, medical. Um, Rob, you can start getting some of your crew ready to go. Um, and then Steve was like, okay, we have BC ambulance here. Uh, I'm like, okay, perfect. Now, Carrie, you can leave, blah, blah, blah. So we ended up splitting it out, getting the other truck out of there. But uh, the... The talk while it's happening and the decisions to who stays, who goes in the moment, it's it's a tough call. And like, you really have to look around and see what your resources are. And people and their skills are your resources. So, so yeah, then you have to choose who stays, who goes, and split your resources up um, with their skill sets. Because there's new members, there's experienced members. So, um you don't want to keep all the experience and send all the new. You have to mix that team. So you're sending as much skill to that call that you have on yours, I guess. Yeah, I agree exactly. It's it's, it's really, as an instant commander, about knowing um, people's strong points and whatnot, right? How you can mm-hmm. mold the other team together to get the mm-hmm. job done. Would you say you couldn't agree more? <laughs> <laughs> I'll try not to say 
I'm looking was around the for... room and everybody's got this big grin. Like, it's it. coming. Everyone's cutting, but it's coming. <laughs> So were all those scenarios, uh, I liked them because they were, because um, they made the officers work pretty hard. Sometimes our scenarios are pretty, you know, we go to a structure fire uh, scenario, which is at the burn building. Um, and once we get the teams deployed, and we train it all the time, so the teams deploy pretty easily, um, the, the officers usually just kind of chill out, <laughs> which is what we should be doing. If the training goes is going well, we should be. Um, able to not have to tell people what to do. We should just be overseeing everything. Yeah. Yeah. yeah watching those things as they go through and keeping an eye on those hot spots. And... Right. <laughs> it's going on I, don't know, I don't know what's going on. Oh, I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that was a training scenario. So um, scenarios, again, we've, we've discussed, you know, they are a very, very key, important piece in training. You got some? Oh, sorry, carry on with your thought when I got some add to that. Okay. Um, very, very key, important piece of training. Um, yes, knowing the skills and having the skills and the knowledge of how these certain things work is great, but actually applying them in training scenarios is one of the key, key skill set builders that mm-hmm. will uh, make all, all of those things that you've learned, it ingrains them more. You now can look into your toolbox and grab what you need to be able to control the situation that you're put in during that scenario. And that's where that you know these these different techniques come in with with the the way that we've split our training up, which um, is working very very well for us. Which we will go into in more detail. We've have in other in other episodes, but we're looking into other means of getting that out to you as well soon. So definitely something to look into. Um, Scott, you were gonna. Yeah, I was just gonna say we we try to do these scenarios once every month and a half to two months, and typically it's been either the training section. Which of there's um, there's technically only three training section people, and then the other people are officers. So we have three dedicated training section, and then the rest of the officer corps. And typically, it's those guys that those people that plan the scenario. And then on this particular night, I kind of made an executive decision. I didn't tell the other training section people. But while we were having our debrief, I was thinking, well, you know, everybody in the everybody in this department has good ideas for scenarios. So I threw it out to everybody. I said, if you have a scenario idea. Tell me or tell one of the other training people, and you can run it. So you 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 can step out of the um, firefighter role, and if you have an idea for a scenario, come to one of us. There will probably have to be a training section person with them because there's certain things we have to do for safety wise, but they can run that scenario, and they can that way it gives them ownership in that scenario. Um, they'll have a different angle of thinking than we do because we know we're thinking on a certain side of the fence. They can come with with their ideas. And, uh, and of course, probably someone spoke up and said, I want to burn everything in this place. Oh, is that? <laughs> so, obviously, it has to be a scenario that's going to be uh, something that would actually happen or, you know, like, fairly likely to happen, that sort of thing. Um, but I thought that was... Yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, I think, uh, just kind of further back to what you're saying, too, like, great job on thinking about calling for mutual aid early, because mm-hmm. uh, that's something that, you know, we've all kind of chatted with in the past as well, and... And with us, we're facing still very low numbers to a lot of our calls. And I think any any instant commander, like, you personally, you take pride about that scene. You don't want to be calling another community to come in and help you. But we have to sometimes. Yeah. And knowing how long it's going to take for one of the departments to mobilize to get up there as well, yeah. we've got to start thinking about calling earlier. And even if it just turns into, okay, we'll stand by at the hall or cancel. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we've got to start thinking about that sometimes. Yeah. 
<clears throat> yeah, it's a good it's a good way to deal with it. I think uh, Scott had said it previously actually as well. Um, you know, you want to make all of these things a learning experience, not a training scar. It's not something that should be ingraining you for all the bad things and the, the terrible way it went. Those things should be ways that you know you push yourself to a point of which yeah. you you failed, but because you did everything you right, you, it, the failure was out of your control. You did everything you possibly could mm-hmm. from the toolbox that you had to assess the situation and attack it in the way that we felt correct. Um, and then if that still failed, that's okay. You yeah. did what you could. You did what you were trained to do, yeah. and you did everything you possibly had that was available to you to be able to try and solve that problem. The problem still still happened, but Scott. Yeah, thinking back on it, I think anytime we get a second call while we're on one call, it should be automatic. Usually. Instant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. So that was our scenarios. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, we did, we wanted to touch on <laughs> two other things. Um, the first one was something that we were discussing a little bit. Um, and it's the difference between that, or it's a conversation piece. I don't know about the difference. <laughs> the difference between a volunteer. Full volunteer. Full not volunteer. Paid unpaid. Nothing. Not a penny. And the paid on call. Mm-hmm. Which, as we have said, we are paid on call. Now, paid on call can mean lots of different things. Which I, I think it should still be called paid per call. Uh, yeah. Because we're not paid to be on call. Negative. Yes. <laughs> we are paid when we get called. Yeah. <laughs> paid <Now>, when called? <laughs> paid when called. Um, I think, and this was something that we were we were talking about quite extensively because you've got, and I don't know what it is. Like I thought there was, I thought there was a divide, or at least a, a divide mentally in some people's heads of paid, like full paid, like yeah. Career, yeah, career. Let's say career, mm-hmm. and then there was the volunteer and the paid on call. But there isn't, not according to some of these other minds that I've been reading into yeah. on some of these forums. It's you're you're a purist when you're a volunteer. And all you do is you do it for the the love of your community and nothing mm-hmm. else. Paid on call, well, apparently now that's that's a separate segmentation. Yeah, paid on call is actually a, a separate thing. It, to, to, to volunteers in certain mindsets, and again, not all, those people believe that you're you're just as bad or, <laughs> yeah. or just as you know what I mean, right? You know yeah. what I'm going uh, you're, you're you're you get lumped in with career. Uh, I think we're all losing the f- losing the point here. Like we're all supposed to be doing a job, and yeah. if we're all trained and do that job, then who gives a shit whether or not you walk away with a paycheck? It's about what you do. And we talk about this a lot when it comes to a piece of paper. It doesn't matter what the piece of paper says. Mm-hmm. You can go wherever you want for as long as you like, and it doesn't mean that you've trained as hard as the guy who's been out on the training grounds every day for seven days a week, doing whatever he wanted, messing around and learning new tactics and skills. You're not. You're just not going to be as good as him. Same as the guy who goes to college and learns a whole bunch of stuff. He's not going to be as good as the guy who was on the tools for that whole time. It doesn't work that way. Okay. So uh, it's, a, it's a confusing thing to me. I see these things. I see these people on these boards. And again, there's a lot of trolls and you should never oh, read the yeah. comments. We've had this discussion and we'll get into another one of those in a second. But uh, it, it's it's a little bit, I don't know, it just, it's a bit perturbing for me. I look at it a bit, bit, uh, bit different. But Scott, uh, Toddley, what you got there? You, you... No, I, th- I think it, it's very personally subjective too right to the individual like you're saying like you know it comes back to the term that a lot of people use like it's a you're a professional volunteer department you're a professional paid on call department mm-hmm. it's still the same job yeah. you know but uh like for me like we've always called ourselves the volunteer fire department but now that term is is changing to the paid on call because we've always got some sort of a pay when we get a call up <clears throat> however 
my mindset in it is I've never done it for a paycheck. I've done it because that's just, this is me. That's, that's what mm-hmm. I've always wanted to do. And I, and I enjoy doing it. You know, we put in a ton of free time to do all sorts of things, training events, building things, you know, just coming in the hall and, and trying to make something new uh, versus <clears throat> putting in a paycheck for it or putting in mm-hmm. uh, an hour sheet for it. You never do. You, you just don't do that. Right. Um, there is some people that they think, yeah, well, if I'm coming in and going to be building something for my department, I should be filling out a payslip. Well, if you want to think that way and if the chief in the town says, yes, go for it, then whatever. But for me, I've never thought that way. I could care less. Yeah, and I think <clears throat> that's another another big portion of this, right? Regardless whether you're a purist, a full-time guy, or a paid-on-call, however you want to segment this, the amount of time that I know a lot of our guys put in um, is, is extraordinarily out of the leagues of what you would expect from somebody who's going to be doing this kind of stuff. Like, if you want to come in and you just want to do a call and you want to get paid for that, that's not how most volunteer or paid-on-call departments work because you don't have enough time to do that. No. You don't have enough time. You need more people. You need more minds. You need more hands. And if, if every single one of us consistently put in a timesheet for every single minute that we were doing something that was, that was fire-related, mm-hmm. then they may as well go ahead and hire a, a full-time department because... <laughs> It would be ridiculous. It would be absolutely ridiculous. Oh, yeah. So this purist mindset of, well, I'm a volunteer and I don't get paid. Well, does that make you any better? Again, we've had these conversations. It doesn't matter if you get a paycheck. It's whether or not you do the job. We've got nothing against career firefighters, the ones that do the job. It's it's just that, that mindset of these sour-minded people that just feel like it's mm-hmm. okay to bash other people. And then when you look at them and you look at, you know, even you just tap on their profile picture, you're like, man, how the hell are you screaming <laughs> at other people when you can't even take the ownership of yourself to, to get yourself together? Like, you can see this isn't a problem, <laughs> right? Like, sort your shit out, you know? Like... It, it drives me drives me crazy. It drives me crazy. I noticed that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it drives me crazy. I think there's two really important things. First, like Todd said, there's nobody here that's doing it for the money. I think if if our town came to us and said, look, guys, there's this no budget. You know, you want all these nice trucks. You want your fancy training grounds. It's either you get paid per call or this goes like one or the other right i think everybody in this in this hall in this room would be showing up tomorrow exactly like they are nobody's doing it for the money mm-hmm. and the real important thing is how would you write a song about that <laughs> <laughs> don't call fighting because we're making a check <laughs> Like, how would that go? You know what I mean? <laughs> Just like that, apparently. That's, like... there you go. <laughs> That's the pressing. In fairness, I think when that song was made, they were. They were. They were the purists. They were. <laughs> they were. The bar boys were pure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now and now they're tainted. Tainted on paycheck. Tainted with a paycheck. That's right. So, uh, it was interesting. I spent some time on a paid department, not as a paid member, but I was a, uh, I was a live-in paid on-call firefighter. And... Our role was we got to live at the hall for free, but we had huge expectations of us that if you are there, you're working. 
Like you are pushing them up, you're cleaning things, you're cleaning the trucks, you're going through the trucks, you're expected to take part in any sort of training if you're hanging out in the day, evening for sure. And uh, when the tones did drop and you go out, you were the grunt. Like you were the bitch. Get out there. You either sit there and, and don't move until the paid guy tells you to, or if he if he lets you get out and do some work, yeah, you are working hard. Um <laughs> I don't know what that's like now. That was a long, long time ago. If, if it's slightly different in these departments. Um, but I know for our department now, like I'm going to throw props out to actually, uh, to Ryan. Um, you know, he dedicated his life so many years of his life, just the same way as, as a volunteer slash paid on call, if you will. Right. And, uh, he's, he's worked his ass off. He's always at the hall, always doing things. Uh, and then we voted in for our chief, for a while and then now we have uh, paid staff and that actually now our department we've got a couple of paid members and he's now just got one of those spots great uh, it, it turned out great for him but mm. you know he never started that career in the volunteer department thinking that he's going to be a full-time firefighter there mm -hmm. it just turned into one and and it worked for him because he's dedicated to that to that role to the community yeah right. you got into the grind and absolutely love the job did the thing you bet worked hard at it and came out on top yeah. <clears throat> ultimately this all goes back to do you do the job do you do it well and while you're doing it well are you doing it safely mm -hmm. and if you're doing all those things and you're doing those things consistently and you're putting yourself into it who gives a shit if you walk away with a paycheck at the end of it really it makes no difference and if it does make a difference good for you if that's what is helping you if that's what's helping you get in a seat then you know what fair enough I think though I think I don't know in my experience looking around at People I know in our departments, like, like you touched base on, there's there's nobody that's coming to the department or filling out an application thinking they're coming here for a paycheck. They're mm -hmm. coming here for the experience and for the teamwork and the mm -hmm. family aspect and being a firefighter for their community. They want to serve yeah. their community, right? It's not the paycheck-driven thing. We, we wear that volunteer badge with pride. When we do interviews for new members coming in, we don't. I want to say I've had a couple of the new guys come up and be like, oh, like, what do you need my bank information for? Oh, well, that's for your paycheck. <clears throat> I thought we're volunteer. Mm -hmm. So everybody that comes in, unless they're told otherwise from a member prior, I don't even think that they know that they're going to get paid. Yeah. Like, I don't mention it. That's, that's not a reason why people join locally, I don't believe. Um, so that's the good thing of it is people are joining with the assumption of I'm doing this to volunteer my time for the community, for, you know, my family, for myself, I'm doing this to, to make things better. And then there's this huge paycheck that comes out quarterly. <laughs> oh yeah. All the zeros. <laughs> yeah. On the left side. Of the <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> we've been saying how we don't it for the money, but all that stuff, but the money it, I mean, it's appreciated when it comes. We, oh, yeah. yeah. We don't want to be like, yeah, you don't have to pay us. Because <laughs> mm -hmm. it is appreciated. Like, at the, you know, at the end of the year, you know, I have a few thousand extra bucks in my bank account. Mm -hmm. And afford to take the family on a vacation. Yeah. Which is, you know, it's one reason why, you know, they, it kind of softens the blow of me being away a lot. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. like, hey, we're coming down. I don't say we're paying the family off. But we're, you know, just, <laughs> I'm There's away that. a lot. And mm. you know, I like come and hey, we can we can afford to go on a little bit of a vacation with this uh, little bit of extra money. Yeah. So um, it's appreciated, and 
Yeah. Because there is a lot of hours spent away from the families. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Big time. Mm-hmm. More so than if you're a structured, paid-on shift, right? Like yeah. Like four-on, four-off, or whatever the shift rotations are versus the amount of hours, man hours, that, you know, a pay on call or a volunteer puts in into the community. There's a lot. I think, uh, I think it just comes down to the fact that sour people are everywhere, and I don't think... <laughs> So leading to our next point. <laughs> and that is where we're going with this. Sour people Carl's are everywhere. Um, and Carl's on, on the rant today. <laughs> on sour people. And again, this is it's, it's unlike me in the sense that I don't I don't read comments because comments to me, like there's no there's no point a lot of the time. But when I when something does kind of tick that box, I'm like, like I just it, it gets me going. And on that note, <laughs> so this so the sea rat video, right? So the C-Rat video, and I just, we're going to talk about this a little bit just because, again, it's another perfect example of uh, just a different mindset of people. C-Rat video, do the video, a guy has gone out of his way, he has seen these things being done in a different way, he creates a tool that is helpful for firefighters everywhere that are going to deal with these locks in these situations. Mm -hmm. It is not the key to the C. You want to break a door, take your irons. This thing does not break open every door. But then as soon as you post the video, you get all these people that are just like, oh, well, good job, dickheads. Mm-hmm. You made a tool that can break into any lock in the world. Thanks this thing the can, yeah, like, <laughs> what the hell? Like, oh, you're yeah. just going to give this to criminals? They're going to buy it, and then they're going to be able to break into everyone's house. First of all, <laughs> if you've got one of those doors on your house... <laughs> You live in the wrong building, <laughs> for sure. This thing works on a very small handful of doors that are very specifically put on buildings, more like apartment blocks, old people residential homes. Like yeah. these things are not put on homes. Industry, yeah. Yeah, businesses, mm-hmm. same thing. These mm-hmm. things don't get put on business doors. If you've got one of these on your doors, again, you've got a door. problem. <laughs> Call a security company, get a deadbolt. <laughs> and if there was a tool that actually was worth like really going into to get you into everything, I bought a five dollar lockpick gun. Criminal, and, yeah, right. What I can you, literally you buy it for, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> see if I could get him in locks. <laughs> I get everyone else to see right then. But this five dollar lockpick gun, basically, I just pull a trigger like twenty times, and this thing will hit the pins enough that it will let me in. That one five dollar item, which you can get anywhere pretty much, will get you into more things than the C-Rat ever would. And yet you get the very mindset of people like, oh, well, you made a tool, and that tool now can help people break in a good job. Well, no, mate, that's not really how it works, is it? Well, I think the big thing, too, I don't know how many people are cruising our YouTube and our Facebook <laughs> be like, oh man, I'm just going to smoke this bowl and cruise on DTFF and, and see what kind of... It's not, cool. it's not criminal anymore. Yeah. <laughs> smoke this meth. <laughs> but just one meth. Just the one meth. Just the one meth. The one meth. <laughs> and cruise around and see... I mean, they they got a lot of time on their hands because they're awake for six days straight. So they're like, <laughs> where can I gather information on... Breaking into people, I know the volunteer firefighter podcast. <laughs> Those guys are going to pave the way to get me into your home legally. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to search up Sea Rat. That sounds like something that's going to get me to break into somebody's house. No, like they're out there for firefighters and emergency services. Things will go into people's hands <coughs> if they try hard enough and if they want hard enough. No, 
Absolutely. I know where Scott's going yeah. with this. <laughs> we can start a whole new debate. <laughs> the shit rats that broke in my house, I would have much preferred if they used the sea rat too. Rather than the piece of shit crowbar they used to smash the windows and pry everything open in my house. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they didn't use the doors. Yeah. Fuckers. Weird. <laughs> and there you have it, right? Like, And that, that was one of my arguments in the thing. I was like, at the end of the day, if somebody wants in your house, they're coming in your house. Absolutely. Like, you can have eight locks on your door. You know what they'll do? Smash a window. Like, don't be stupid. A tool does not create a criminal. A criminal is a criminal, and they will see a tool as a way to use it however they want. That's reality. Yeah. Scott. Yeah, Ash was giving me the, yeah. the sad signal. Um, there are literally thousands of retired, not thousands, hundreds of retired Special Forces guys who are on YouTube constantly teaching how to um, gunfight, how to win gunfights, how to do this, how to do that with, with a gun. <laughs> and I don't, I don't read the comments. Oh, yeah, sorry, I read the comments. I don't read the comments that say, now you're teaching criminals how to gunfight. Yeah. How dare you teach these criminals how to defeat the police? It's it's a tool, just like the sea rat. Gun's a tool, just like the sea rat. It's how it's being used. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think a lot of criminals are going on to Pat Mac and learning how to shoot guns. Because they're too busy smoking their meth. <laughs> and they don't care. <laughs> Majority of the uh, shootings I've responded to, um, I tell you, those guys are not good shots. No. <laughs> at all. The pop, pop, pop. Yeah. <laughs> it is spray and spray and spray. Like, yeah, arms, legs, windows, other bystanders, you know, random bullets flying everywhere. But when the police returned fire, hmm. they've been pretty damn good. Yeah, yeah, fairly certain the because you know the, if you even just watch that video, you can see there's a little technique that he's using on yeah. a, on the sea rat. It's not just like you don't just stick it in and pops the door. There's some technique. So I don't think anyone's going to take the time, other than firefighters, <laughs> to, yeah. to manipulate the tool in such a way and to train them with it in such a way that they're going to be proficient at it. If someone buys a tool, and it's like yeah, I'm going to use it first time, three in the morning, breaking into a house. It's going to be awesome. Oh, this thing doesn't really work. It's going to be there for a while. We even had one of our our followers comment that they purchased one and have not had success due to lack of training with it. So this is somebody in the firefighter field that purchased the tool to do the good thing and still, like we just said, you need to be proficient with it. You need time on the tool, practice, and then it becomes a useful part of your kit. You can't just grab it and be like, oh, I'm just going to jam this in there and this door is going to miraculously pop open. That's what crowbar is for. That's what crowbar is We watched Jason use it and he made the tool. And you could tell it was like, nope, yeah. uh, nope, no, uh, let's try again. Oh, maybe we'll try this. Re- reposition, you got a better perch point on it. He, he had to work it. You think a meth head's gonna go in there and be like, nah, nah, nah. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe he's gonna luck out. Like they got meth luck. I, I don't know. But exactly. maybe that's the thing. it's like when they bounce off cars. Oh, we're going downhill. Like, <laughs> they don't die. I get hit by that same car. I'm gonna die. They're bendy. They're rubbery. <laughs> um, on a side note of the C rat, we actually had a call uh, mm-hmm. beginning of this week. And we got a call to, a, to an, uh, an elderly person's house that we, mm. we've actually been there a few times um, in the summer for alarm calls and stuff. Well, this time we get a call for, um, what is it, what is it, a medical alert? Yeah, medical alert. Medical alert. 
the police are there. They can see through the window. Person, they can see the person laying on the bed. And they're yelling, hey, wake up, wake up. Mm-hmm. Not responsive. Um, paramedics are there. We're there. We don't have anything other than a force entry tool. <laughs> so I'm sitting there with the halligan. <laughs> which is waiting for the word. <laughs> Get the word. <laughs> Go. Boom. Doors open. It's easy. Doors open easy. But what mm-hmm. happens? We damage the door frame to get in. Yeah. And what then? Then what happens? The lady's up. <laughs> yeah. What's going on? Oh. Yeah. It was like my story and my story. <laughs> How many times we've done that <laughs> at work? It's it's ridiculous, and they wake up because they don't have their hearing aids in. Yeah. That was exactly. So right. I think, I think what woke <laughs> was a whole building shaking <laughs> from the breach. Mm-hmm. So, but again, I don't know. The sea rat would have worked. Mm-hmm. It may have. It would have been an option. We we would have been able to. Well, while they were trying to um, check on her and do all this stuff, mm-hmm. we were sitting there for a good three minutes. We could have yeah. had the tool out, working on the door, um, trying to do a soft entry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so about having options. And again, a tool is not anything that is malicious until it is in the hands of somebody that wants to use it that way. Well, yeah. on the other note, didn't we have a, isn't there a thing on our Facebook page of a guy using portable rescue tools to pop an yeah. ATM machine open? Yeah. How come they're not going after those guys? <laughs> How dare you make this portable extrication tool? <laughs> Obviously, criminals are going to buy one and use it. You know what they should do? They should take uh, Station 19 and Chicago Fire off because that's where they learned it from. <laughs> Two weeks prior, one of our followers is like, ah, I saw a Chicago Fire. Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's a fact. Yeah, Isn't it. that where you learn your fire tactics? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Is there anywhere else? That's yeah, great. <laughs> They're on bike drop, basically. Firefighter would call out. I mean, that's that's all I, I need to do, and people just come to you. Like, oh, hey, there's, come on up. That works. <laughs> so yeah, um, it was a bit of a rant. <laughs> where, where are we on? No, I don't know. Do you feel better? I do. I yeah. do. Yeah, it's good. Weirdly, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I keep out the comments because you know, too much poison. Anyway. Um, that's that. Uh, <laughs> should we take a photo of this board? And Facebook post idiots. It? Yes, I yeah. think we probably should. Um, <laughs> oh, I actually said it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Whatever, it's man. What they are. Whatever. We appreciate you listening if you do, but again, they they take no, 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 no. Don't, again, don't most the, the people that are listening to us understand that a tool is a tool, mm-hmm. and you use it as a tool, and yeah. we're all we're all you know, trying to do things better. You know, you want to smash through a door or do you want to spend the five to 10 minutes it might take to try and save somebody to, mm-hmm. to get this thing open without damaging it so yeah. that you can, because if you know it's not an emergency, but you still need to get in mm-hmm. and you can't get in and you know that there's another way apart from putting the Halley through the door. <laughs> it's fun as it is, Scott. Um, <laughs> Oh yeah, uh, Kevin, Kevin was trying to get the bar from me. I was like, oh, oh, absolutely. No, no, I'm sure there was a lineup of people. It's been a while since, <laughs> yeah. you know, since I got the red hat on. It's been a while since I got to do anything. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm doing it this time. <laughs> but it's that thing. Right? It's like, so awesome to watch. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh yeah, he's going up there. Oh, he's staged, and you're looking. You like look at me, look at RCMP. Look at me, look at RCMP. Go, yep, yeah, boom. <laughs> One of the paramedics is walking by. The moment that. You got the go ahead to go, and like he was safe, or everybody was close. Boom! He's like, Jesus! <laughs> <laughs> he was going for the auction ball. <laughs> Doors open. <laughs> but yeah. I think he was actually going for the AD. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. For him. Yeah. 
so a tool's a tool. That is mm. that is what it is. It's but don't be a Facebook, Facebook account. <laughs> no, no, don't be a Facebook tool. <laughs> don't be yeah. a Facebook tool. Um, and that's basically all we got, boys. Yeah. Now we've done our rant, and I feel better. Mm. Uh, any more for any more on that? Nope. Good. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, Motus. Me, sure. Uh, Modus, dig uh, you all there. Uh, Firefighter Tools. Scott, big, big fan. Just tons of hands on training. Um, <laughs> if you're a listener, hashtag, what was it? I don't know, get Scott a snagger. Get Scott a snagger. I, I had a guy actually in another department message me. He's like, hey, how do you like that snagger tool? I'm like, or how do you like the snagger tools? I'm thinking of buying one. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't have one. I'm talking I've to seen other guys. guys. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, he's not a fan of the podcast. <laughs> so Scott's super bitter. <laughs> Salty. Yeah. But I did tell him the uh, the discount code. Nice. Good. <laughs> so. Yeah. So, uh, actually, it was, we put up a picture. Ah, we sidetracked so much. We put up a picture of somebody using the RZ mask. Um, and even one of our, our followers posts hashtag get Scott a snagger tags Modus <laughs> and they liked it <laughs> like, yes love it so the boys o- over there pl- you know they're definitely playing the game <laughs> and I'll never get one because now it's just like <laughs> yeah, it's gone so far it just can't happen now we've invited like them to seminar we have yeah we'll see if they get bites me on that <laughs> I, hope they, I hope they do end up coming it'd be good to have them die super, super good exposure yeah. uh, it'd be really good for them uh, it'd be awesome for us. So, yeah, yeah check them out. Uh, Modus, uh, they have extended a discount code for us for their Snagger Tool, their uh, wedges. They've got some um, mini spanners and other such items where uh, we have put into service one of their new tools, which uh, we hope to have a video the moment they give us the head nod. So, mm. we will be showing you guys that. We're pretty excited about it. We passed it around uh, a couple weeks back at our officer meeting and we, we've got a couple um, older officers that have been here for a while um, and I, I always worry not not these guys anymore so much but I always worry what like these new items like how it will be received it was all positive they're like I can really see this having a really good impact on the truck and the guys hmm. So I was like, oh, definitely okay. makes that job faster. Yeah. So, whatever it is, it is good. <laughs> <laughs> so hop on there at uh, checkout. DTFF five is going to give you five percent off on your purchases, um, which basically I think covers your uh, engraving if you want to have it uh, personalized, which is cool. Yeah. If Scott wants to have something personalized. Give me a snagger. Hashtag yeah. get Scott a snagger. That's what mine will come as, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> With the hashtag on it, Scott finally got a snagger. <laughs> yeah. Please return in this amount of time. <laughs> uh, RZ. Uh, RZ masks, we all have them. We have the M1s. Our entire department has them. We have about 40 of them. A couple of spares, obviously. Um, we use the F3 filters, which are the carbon filters. They filter out the majority, or at least the majority, the most of particulate styles that, um, that they do. It's like the highest grade filter. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're great. The ones we have are neoprene, so they're great in the cold too. 
Um, keep your face warm. <laughs> I, on a side note, I saw a couple of people wearing them around the old coronavirus. I was just say, <laughs> oh, yeah. Is that rated for uh, I don't know. People were wearing them. I saw while people were also wearing like... Uh, just like a cloth. Or, and, uh, or people were wearing like buckets on their heads. They were wearing, yeah, like, uh, like water cooler oh, ball uh, yeah. things. Kai so for the you know for the few, few bucks, rather than wearing a water cooler on your head, uh, buy an Isaac mask. <laughs> <laughs> It, it may work for it. It might mm-hmm. not. <laughs> but it works really good for firefighting things. It does. It does. It works good <laughs> yeah. for it. And medical cools and all the yeah, other fun absolutely. stuff too. Yeah. So uh, worth a grab. If you are going to get one, DTFF uh, will get you 30% off. Massive, massive saving. We saved a few hundred bucks when we bought mm-hmm. ours. So uh, really, really good, really good investment to have. Good to have around with you no matter where you are. I've, I've actually got one in the car as well as one in my, in my kit bag. So it's important to have. I love mine. Yeah, soon to be doing one on calls. I wonder what uh, would have been said if you had the old RZ mask on for that scenario. I don't know. It wouldn't have worked. It shouldn't have worked. With the magical. Yeah, I don't know. Might have hazmat. <coughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, it's been a smart ass. Stop the bleed. Stop the bleed. Org. Um, so it was uh, bleedingcontrol.org, we were saying before, but now I think they've, uh, it looks like they've changed the website. So it's stopthebleed.org, or maybe we just got it wrong, because the bleedingcontrol.org is where the instructor's portal login is. Yep. Uh, so if you want to search out Stop the Bleed, see if there's any courses, see what kind of content they have, uh, it is stopthebleed.org. And stopthebleed.org, again, get on there, take a look. Um, tourniquets, wound packing, all the good stuff for all of the... Massive hemorrhage, hemorrhage control. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a uh, good training. Um, like Scott was mentioning in other uh, episodes, that's, you know, for instructors, they really push uh, to think outside the box and get very proactive for the training. Um, it's a, a pretty important course for hemorrhage control. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we actually recently just released the shortened versions of our uh, wound packing things that we did, the, one of the wound packing things with the yoga block and the weed pump. Uh, you know mm-hmm. the little kind of mock-up device we did there for for wound packing stuff um seems to be doing really well on the insta and getting shared out and everything else Some yeah good really, feedback really good hits on the insta on the tiktok it's been going really well um what i will say quickly is uh if you're doing it if you're going to be taking this um and utilizing it within your department make sure you're operating within what uh, your guidelines are with the wound packing, we did have some people reach out saying that they aren't allowed to do that. They don't train and they can't do that. Uh, they don't operate within that section. But it's still a great bit of knowledge to have, even just for yourself, if you're in the backcountry or wherever. Um, so yeah, even if it's just for yourself, for personal knowledge and self, self-rescue self and like buddy rescue. Yeah, Absolutely. I think... You nailed it. Depending on the department's, you know, guidelines or whatever responder level they're working under for medical stuff, mm-hmm. um, this is a super important skill just to, for general public to have. Yeah. And like I said, um, there's a lot of stuff in training that we look at and we talk about uh, that people use just in, in backcountry incidents, yeah. motorbike accidents, dirt bike accidents, uh, where a stick has gone through guy's leg and stuff like that. And um, yeah, it's it's super important. Do it, do it to yourself, do it to your friends. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll teach um, elementary and high school kids, general public. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I feel uh, like in the fire service too, a lot of uh, a lot of the techniques and stuff aren't necessarily cutting edge uh, as they, they could be. Like, you know, Stop the Bleeds, cutting cutting edge, not, maybe not even cutting edge, it's, it's simple, but some of the 
you were saying some of the people that they doesn't fit into their guidelines doesn't fit mm-hmm. in their th- because I don't think they've just they just haven't caught up to it yet. So it's not like something that's dangerous because like Doctor Nick says, uh, do no harm or do nothing. Those are the two options. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're not going to do any harm. The person has a hole in them. They're 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 pouring out blood. You're not going to do any harm by by wound packing. Um, you're going to do harm by standing there going, I don't know what to do. Um, and, you know, and to be honest, constant direct pressure is going to do uh, a, a, lot. a lot of work. A whole bunch of help. But yeah. sometimes you need to get down into that wound and, and get that get that direct pressure right onto the on the injury, onto the artery. Yeah, absolutely. And, and for our ambulance service here, like we're just now within these past couple of years starting to uh, get into the, um, the wound packing aspect of it. Right. You know, we never did any of that before. Um, and where a lot of those conversations came from was a lot of our guys, ex-military who are now our instructors and stuff that have been doing this. They've been doing these, um, using these other products, um, for hemorrhage control for many, many years. And we're finally now catching it up. So like you said, like depending on the areas, um, you might just, you're just not there yet, but still important to learn for general public Mm -hmm. and everyone else. Yeah. It's funny. Kind of some people will just stop. Like they're like, no, we got, we got enough here. We've learned enough. Um, and then they forget, oh, where, where would we learn all this stuff from? Right. The military originally. Like a lot of this, mili- a lot of medical, pretty much everything medical, I think trauma. is, especially trauma, trauma. Especially trauma yeah. is, is from, you know, multiple wars over multiple years. Uh, and, uh, I think, yeah, I think sometimes people just want to say, no, this is, this is as far as we're going. <laughs> there is nothing else I can learn. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're and starting to see way along. more trauma now for, um, you know, active events like, like MCI, like, the good old terrorist conversation you know like um people are driving cars into crowds you know that's the same thing now that is you're seeing wounds that are equivalent to uh like war zone wounds like massive hemorrhage you know so this is that's where it's important yeah yeah super important course definitely get it there do it you can become an instructor to teach other people 100 percent worth it Secondalarm.org. Secondalarm.org is our friend Matt's uh, calls. Again, it's to get more firefighters aware um, that they, or more people in the public aware that they can actually become firefighters. They can head to volunteer departments in their area and uh, and get trained to become one of us. Uh, It's important stuff. It's a lot of fun stuff that we do, obviously. we don't do it for the money, as we've discussed. But the point but, is, but we appreciate <laughs> Scott does it for the money. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, it, it's a really, really important, um, really, really important thing that they're trying to do. We all know that it is becoming more and more challenging for people to uh, to at least do recruitments. Um, Matt's calls will be helping with that and uh, really showcasing again what the volunteer service is all about and uh, what being a firefighter can do for you, your family, as well as your community. So go check them out. Secondalarm.org. Bar Boys. Bar Boys. Uh, Brotherhood Academy radio podcast. Um, fighting for a paycheck. Absolutely. <laughs> Those guys are fighting for a dollar bill. <laughs> um, uh, East Coast American swing to what we do here oh we're good uh, fight huh? for a dollar bill <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna have a song here soon <laughs> from Texas I don't know I don't know fight for a bowl of chowder we used to have a really good relationship <laughs> <laughs> that's toil yeah that's good um, 
Yeah, check them out. They uh, they release 1.15 episodes every week. <laughs> they do. Um, yeah, they do their uh, main episode, which which releases on Sunday, and their it was uh, their point five episode. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yes. You may there may be a new episode coming out. Yeah. Possibly on Thursdays. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get on that. We're gonna get right on. We're it. gonna get right on. We've it. actually got on it a couple of weeks ago. We just said didn't post it yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got right off of that. <laughs> we got on, and then, and then we got mm-hmm. right back on. Yeah. I was proud of that episode too. It's a good. It's a good. I'm still proud. I was proud of it because it. we did it in a hotel room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. With no noise complaints. Oh yeah. We wow. Trouble at all. I'm not sure how there wasn't any, but um, that was to get dropped. Hey, that was to get dropped. Yeah. 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 So anyway, uh, those guys do uh, a couple episodes a week. Um, good group of guys. Um, they have uh, a good spread. Like we mentioned before, uh, we're the purest of the volunteer, as well as uh, um, they've, they've got some combination experience now. Um, so check them out. They uh, uh, released, like I say, two episodes. Sal- salty old firefighters, as, as they like to call us. Really good, good guys. Yep. So, Brotherhood Academy Radio. Uh, Scott, seminar. Seminar is coming up May 1st, 2nd, and 3rd in Oliver. Uh, we're over 20 uh, sessions right now, or 20 simulations, 20 sessions right now. Um, kind of adding more every day, taking some away, adding some more. Um, th- we're going to have live fire. We're going to have um, mass casualty stuff. We're going to uh-huh. have hopefully some actors doing some stuff. Um, it's going to be good. We, we just had a really good conversation with a uh, really good phone call conversation with uh, Fortis BC and they are our, as I said, they're our not only our electrical provider, there's also our uh, gas provider, mm-hmm. uh, natural gas provider and um, among other things they do yeah. they do pretty much everything and I'm, I'm super impressed with how engaged they are with, with the seminar like they're, like, you know, we're talking to some of their top people you know, oh, yeah. the three of us, well you were there, mm-hmm. the three of us over this phone call and it's like it's like, oh, these people are actually like really, and they're actually listening to us and invested in what we want to do. And, and it's really, really good because it shows that they're, they want us to be safe. They want firefighters to be safe. Yeah, they're, uh, they understand that their products are can potentially be dangerous. They want to ensure that everybody mm-hmm. can work properly around them mm-hmm. and that we're safe doing it in the styles and manners that are you know procedurally the way to handle these things. And they want to make sure that all first responders have this knowledge. Yeah. Um, and as we move forward on this, I think we're going to have a couple of people on talk about some of the things we're actually going to be doing at some of these events um, across, across uh, you know, through seminar and uh, really kind of get some detailed information on some of these things. Because again, these are like, especially with LNG, for example, trucks of LNG drive through, I'm sure everyone's time pretty much quite regularly for the majority. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you don't know how to deal with something like that, you know, you start pouring water on it and you realize very quickly, this doesn't work. You need to understand how these things function and you need to understand the safety procedures between them. So it's really good that they've been on board for seminar and it's going to be fantastic knowledge um, getting that stuff out of them right. to be able to yeah. do that, right? Yeah. yeah, for sure. So yeah, that's seminar. And then, of course, us. Um, you can find us on Facebook. You can troll us there mm-hmm. um, <laughs> if you want. Um, Stop it, idiot. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost the same rules as like coming on for the... Coming on for an interview, right? You can't be a weirdo. You can't be a weirdo. Don't be an idiot. (laughs) What's crazy, though, is the more that people, good and bad, comment, 
the more traction it gets. Like it just triggers if nobody comments, I don't know whatever the algorithm is, but if people comment, so I don't care. Be an idiot. <laughs> just I, so want, I want to delete them. <laughs> <laughs> I hear what you mean. It's, so it's counterproductive, right? Yeah. And and in fact, we were having that same conversation with James, right? When he was on, uh, he was saying, you know, like, mm-hmm. if there's so sour people on there, they're gone. I buy well, well, he said most, a lot of, not sorry, not James, I was thinking of Jason. Um, Jason said mm-hmm. part of his tool that he makes, mm-hmm. is like, <laughs> a lot of his time is spent defending, dealing, it. defending it. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Which we should definitely mention. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, we'll do we'll do two more after as well because I actually yeah. forgot that we had those two as well. Just to cut a quick chat away. So uh, obviously, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok. Uh, recently on LinkedIn, if you're a business that is looking to uh, maybe have a conversation with us about your product, sending us some stuff and bits and pieces, you can contact us through that as well. Um, okay. YouTube, mm-hmm. eh? LinkedIn still around. LinkedIn is blowing up. I thought it went the way of... making a resurgence. It went the way of... What's it called? What's that? The dildo? No, no. Oh, uh, MySpace? Yeah. No, it is pure B2B. Uh, Fantastic. MySpace is what I was in charge of looking after. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Very, very good. Post all these videos on MySpace. What the hell? (laughs) Who's your top five? It's making a comeback, man. It's making a comeback. Um, So you can find us basically everywhere. Um, Especially, again, on the YouTube. Get down. If you wouldn't mind, if you are a listener, uh, we would really appreciate. Um, we're trying to get our uh, our YouTube views up right now so that we can start looking into some extra things with that. But we can't do that until we get a specific amount of audience um, as well as uh, follows and, and things like that. So if you do have a second, we'd love you to pop over there and take a little click on that and follow us. Um, but uh, especially if you do have the time, we'd really appreciate any kind of reviews or ratings that you can do on your app. If you've got a second, just pop in hit that whatever star rate and then drop us a comment. It'd be greatly appreciated. Uh, yeah, that is all for all on me, but we also have two more just because of uh, Legion Engineered. Mm-hmm. Ash? So, Legion Engineered, we had uh, Joel Struthers on, um, talking about his book, Appel. Um, but uh, he also has... Legion Engineered, which is a uh, company that he's uh, a part of starting, and it sells apparel. Um, actually, really cool, of, like really cool Absolutely. stuff. Um, Todd and I grabbed a couple of hats, um, some pretty cool shirts and stuff on there as well. Um, and what it is is uh, sort of an initiative to to help give back to uh, P- uh, PTSD. So a percentage of profits that come from the sales will be donated to PTSD awareness and um, the like. So if the majority of sales are from Canada, he'll donate it somewhere in Canada. If the majority of sales are from the US, it'll go to some veteran affair um, organization in the States and so on. So uh, get out there, support the cause. it's something that he's really passionate about. It's something that, uh, uh, I mean, mental health and awareness is, is a, a major thing now. Um, and I, I think he used the term any frontline fighter. So it's going to be your, your, uh, uh, your military, police, fire, EMS, anybody that's out there fighting the fight. Uh, we're all seeing shit that some people are having a hard time unseeing. So, 
yeah, support that that cause and get out there. Talk about it. Mental health, big thing. Learn how to be resilient, you bet. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then, of course, we have the C-Rat. Everyone should go and buy one, especially criminals. All you. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone needs one. Does a discount go for them? <laughs> <laughs> and how's a discount go for everybody? <laughs> if you would like to grab one, uh, you can head over to Ignition USA. And uh, you can pick one up there with our discount code of DTFF2020. That will save you 20% mm-hmm. off of the tool. Uh, it looks good. It does things. It's, a, mm-hmm. it's got some cool little features on it. Um, yeah, and it takes some practice. And obviously, you were just talking about it and you've seen our video. So great, great little tool. Have a look. If one's for you, DTFF2020, 20%. Yeah. Any more for any more? Scott's gone. So. We lost Scott. Sorry. <laughs> cool. Ash. Thanks, guys. So, thank you. Good night, Scott. Good night. Stay safe. Stay DTFF. <laughs> <laughs>